Somebody that knows God is in control, give him a praise this morning. Somebody that knows he sits high and he looks low, lift up your voice and give him a shout of praise. If you know there's nothing too hard for your God, give him a shout of praise this morning. I dare you to take about 60 seconds uh, and lift him high this morning. Uh, Lift him higher than your concerns. Uh, Lift him higher than your challenges. Uh, Lift him higher uh, than the obstacles standing in your way. Uh, Come on, open up your mouth and declare uh, that God is in control. look around and there's viruses and economic concerns and international wars and rumors of wars and it's real easy to become distracted and to feel like what are we going to do there's so much uncertainty but can I declare unto you this morning that nothing surprises God that our world might be in trouble, uh, but our God is never uh, in trouble. Uh, if you believe that, you ought to take one more time uh, and give him a shout of praise in this building today. Hey! That's why I'm not stressing out about anything this morning. Because God's in control. I just need about 50 radical people in the building. That's that's why I'm not discouraged this morning. Because it doesn't matter what it looks like now. He sees the end from the beginning. And he's not only the author, but he's the finisher of my faith. And that work that he begun, he is able to perform it. I need about a hundred people in the building that feel that way this morning uh, to just lift up your voice uh, and declare that God is in control. How many of you understand that worry, tell your neighbor worry, is nothing more than fear on credit? Worry is paying the price for something bad that hasn't even happened yet. The thing you're worried about hadn't even happened and you're already paying the pain and the price. You're already losing sleep over it. You're already fretting about it. You're already letting it ruin your day. You're doing it on credit. Hadn't even happened yet. And you're already paying the price in advance. Can I tell you, you need to flip that thing this morning. Because faith works the same way as fear. The good thing that hasn't even happened yet. But I'm going to give God a praise in advance. If you can be afraid and you can worry, you ought to flip that thing around this morning and start getting a little faith in your spirit. I'm not going to worry about what hasn't happened. I'm going to give God praise for what hasn't happened yet. I 
dare somebody to take about 60 seconds and praise him in advance for what you know he's gonna do. Praise him in advance for what you haven't seen. Come on, somebody shout faith over fear. Faith over fear. Hey! Give him a shout of praise in this place.
We'll cross it. Help me see it. Under my feet. Y'all help me see it this morning. I what you say. Give him 
one more time in this building. Come on, one more time. Give him a sacrifice. Let the redeemed of the Lord uh, say so. Uh, whom the Lord hath redeemed uh, from the hand of the enemy. Clap your hands, all you people. God, welcome to Sunday morning at the Rock. Turn around, high five about six people on the way to your seat. Tell them ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. Because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Tell them, tell them, tell them. Tell somebody else, welcome to the party on your way to the seat. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. You excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take a brief opportunity to join with what has already been said and give a great big welcome this morning to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. Rock Church, I need your hands and your voice to help me make some noise. Come on, we can do better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests and our visitors that are here today. Amen. What an honor it is to have you in the house of the Lord with us. If this is your very first time here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers, you should have received a VIP welcome card that looks like the one on the screen when you walked in this morning. And if, if you're here for the first time and you did not receive one of these, if you would just briefly raise your hand, one of our staff members will run one to you very quickly. And uh, we've, I see a couple of hands up. We want to make sure that you've got one of these. This is simply an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. How many of you know what VIP stands for? Very important person. And uh, if you've got a VIP card in your hand, it's because you are a very important person to us. And we're so excited that you're here with us this morning. And uh, immediately after the service in the VIP room, we'll have some uh, light refreshments for you and also a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation having you in the house of the Lord with us today. Amen. And uh, we have a little understanding in this church that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the doors. After that, you're just at home at the Rock Church. Amen, somebody. So I need you to help me turn around 360 degrees, touch everybody around you, tell them welcome home this morning. Come on, help me out. They're behind you, in front of you, on your left and your right. Tell them welcome home. Amen. So good, so good to have you here with us today. To everybody that is streaming online this morning, we're glad that you tuned in to try and catch a glimpse of what God is doing in this place. We have been enjoying the blessings of God in this place. Amen, somebody. We have been enjoying the mighty hand of God upon our lives. and God has been doing so many amazing things. Uh, this morning, I want to take a moment to welcome uh, Brother and Sister Hoffer back, back to their second home this morning. Would you help me give God a praise for this awesome family today? They've got special interests here in Fort Myers. <laughs> and uh, they're just family to us here. And we're so excited that they're here for a few days. And uh, excited uh, to have them in the house of the Lord with us today. 
Uh, I've already mentioned uh, his name a couple of times the past uh, week or two, but I want to again this morning uh, say how good it is, is to have Brother Daniel Stipes with us, who hails all the way from Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, uh, I've got a really, really cool announcement this morning. Brother Daniel is in the process of relocating to Fort Myers, Florida. Amen. I think we ought to give him a great big welcome home greeting this morning in the house of the Lord. Come on. I think we ought to really make it over the top this morning. Welcome home, Brother Daniel. And uh, he comes with uh, great commendations and the blessing of uh, his bishop and pastor who are very dear friends of mine. And uh, so we're excited about all that God has in store for his life and all that God is doing in his, uh, in his future. Amen. And uh, I guess this is as good a time as any to also mention uh, that uh, him and Sister Moesha are officially dating. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. And uh, I love these, these two young people, and I'm excited about what the Lord is uh, doing in their life. Amen. How many of you were here last weekend and enjoyed what God did in this place? I'm telling you what. Last Sunday, we baptized three more people in Jesus' name. All three of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. Last Sunday, several more people were filled with the Holy Ghost at the altars in this place. And then last Sunday in our Port-au-Prince campus in Haiti, Roberto was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Wilson was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Betty was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then Thursday night, right here, Denise was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I never get tired of talking about this kind of stuff right here. This is what it's all about right here. Then yesterday, Nichelle was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to give God a praise. And then... Bill Keister was baptized in Jesus' name, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, hey, has anybody caught on to what time it is uh, around the Rock Church yet? Uh, come on, we're in the middle of harvest time. Uh, it's revival time around the Rock Church of Fort That's all right. We ought to dance and run the aisles over that right there. Woo! If the angels are rejoicing, uh, then God's people ought to be rejoicing this morning. I'm telling you what, you don't want to come into this place if you don't want delivered. You don't want to show up in this place if you don't want chains to be broken. You don't want to show up in this place if you're not ready for a blessing and a breakthrough in your life. Turn around, tell your neighbor, you might not want to sit next to me. If you don't want to get some, some blessing all over you this morning, you, <laughs> I'm so anointed my whole role is going to be blessed by whatever I get a hold of today. I'm 
I'm so anointed my whole section's about to get a you might not want to sit next to me this is the splash zone baby uh, it's gonna overflow out of My God. Mm. <laughs> well, y'all might as well go ahead. I guess you already started dancing. One, two, one, two, three, go! acting like this this morning <laughs> amen where was I oh yeah okay back to the order of service we were talking about all the awesome things happening around here this past week and we got a little carried away rejoicing about it how many of you are blessed every Thursday night around here for family prayer this last week, we broke an all-time attendance record with prayer on Thursday night. I think we ought to give God a praise for that. I thank God for overflowing buildings on Sunday mornings. I thank God for full parking lots. But I'll tell you, the real litmus test of revival is how full is the prayer room when it's time to pray. I think we ought to give God a great praise for that tonight. Then they just informed me that uh, this weekend our street ministry absolutely smashed an all-time record for how many people that they prayed with and made contact with. I think we ought to give God a praise for that this morning. It 
Bishop, why are you worried about numbers? Because for every person we reach, it's another person that hell has to let go of. I'm keeping score against the enemy, baby. Amen. Amen. And uh, we're grateful for everything that God's doing. How many of you have been blessed having Sister Collins and Sister Sierra here with us the past couple of weeks? All the way from Burlington, North Carolina. They've been here working the past couple weeks and, and uh, letting God use their gifts to help make some things look beautiful around here. And uh, we've enjoyed having them. And I got a phone call a few days ago from, uh, from Brother Collins. And he said, I can't take it no more. I'm jumping in my car and I'm driving down. And we're so glad to have Brother Collins with us this morning in the house of the Lord. I think we ought to give God a great big praise. And when they heard Brother Collins was coming, Brother Joey Rodriguez said, you going to Fort Myers? I'm jumping in the trunk. I'm headed there with you too. It's good to have Brother Joey with us this morning all the way from Burlington. Would you help me give them another great hand clap of welcome this morning? Brother Collins is a tremendous man of God with a powerful anointing on his life. And, uh, and he's no stranger to the Rock Church. He's been here for our meetings and conferences. And uh, I've known him for some time beyond even that. And always love and appreciate him and Sister Collins. Every time I'm around them, they make me smile. And, uh, and I just love people that have uh, the joy of the Lord coming out of their veins. And uh, I want him to come and just greet this house this morning. Would you put your hands together one more time as he comes to greet this congregation? We love you, Brother Collins. have a serious problem with the rock church I only brought one suit brother so when I'm back tonight we're going to practice a little social distancing from brother Collins it's such a great honor to be in this great house of the Lord uh, like brother, brother Williams Bishop Williams said you know, there's some people that you meet in your lives that can be good friends. Some people can even be surface. You just brush by them and, and you may get something you may not. But then there's some people that you meet in your life and you know that when the river rages, that there's a boat that you want to get in and you want to get in that boat with them. And this is a man... If this isn't your church and this isn't your pastor and you're in this place today, you need to climb in this boat and ride this river with this man. Genesis chapter 1, 12 verse, verse number 1 says, And the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. And now this is a message that I preach, and I don't want to preach it today, but I do want to let you know that life is a journey. And you never know where life is going to bring you. And I've been on this journey for 27 years now. And I'm not looking back. This is the church. This is that great ship of Zion. And if you're in this place today and you're hearing the call from God and God is telling you, get thee out of thy country. 
and go into a land that I will show thee where the builder and the maker is God. You better hearken unto that voice today and pack your bags and get out of Haran and go where the Lord sends you and don't look back. So glad to be here with you guys. Love you. Love your pastor. Love this church. Greetings in Jesus' name. Praise God. Come on, would you help me thank God for this great family one more time tonight, this morning. Come on, help me thank God for them. Amen. Grab your Bibles. I want to hasten to the word of the Lord in this place. And uh, it is our custom to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord uh, in this sanctuary. We honor the entrance of God's word into this house and uh, so we ask you to join us if you are not incapacitated and in standing for the reading of the word of the Lord after that if you stand up that's on you <laughs> and uh, but, uh, we give great honor to the word of the Lord in this place today book of Psalms chapter number 38 and verse number 4 is where I would like to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me today <clears throat> Psalm chapter 38 and verse number 4. Forever is a long time. You know how to play that? That's how long I love you. That's how long I love you. Forever. Anybody feel that way beside me this morning? Forever is a long time. That's how long I love you. That's how long I love you forever. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head. One transliteration renders it and says, like waves of a flood. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. For mine iniquities are gone over my head like a flood. And as a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. Verse number 10 the writer goes on to say, My heart panteth, and my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. He is describing the burden, the wave-like burden that has come over his head. And in verse number 10, he begins to describe the loss of consciousness and for a few moments this morning I simply want to preach about the day I almost drowned the day I almost drowned would you put your Bibles down and one more time give God a great praise all across the sanctuary I feel the Holy Ghost settling into this building right now I feel the Holy Ghost resting in this place, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. 
David, the penman of Psalms 38, is known as the premier song and poetry writer of biblical times. He has the distinction of being a writer who has the ability to capture into words the gamut of expressed human emotions like nobody else can. His musical and lyrical prowess afforded him opportunities to play and sing before the king at a very early age. He was the type of songwriter whose songs you could relate to. And most oftentimes they were written from his very own experiences. And so when you read the lyrics, they connect with where you are in life or maybe some place that you have been before. Do you know what it's like sometimes uh, you might hear a song and uh, it might even just have one line of the song that resonates inside of you. Uh, you, ever, you ever done that before and you just got that lyric going over and over in your head, that one line that resonates. You walk around all day. Because I'm happy. Happy, happy, happy. That one line just going over and over. That type of thing that causes us to say, I, I really like that song or that's my song right there. In the fourth verse of Psalm 38, he writes the words of one of his prayers. And he begins to pen the lyric that mine iniquities are gone over my head. This is the contemporary equivalent of us saying, I am in over my head. Or I am just trying to keep my head above water. A feeling, an experience, a place in life that all of us can relate to. A place where uh, I'm just doing everything I can uh, from going under. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Uh, I'm just doing everything I can to, to keep my head above water. It feels like I'm at the very end of my abilities. And, and if just one more thing happens, if, if something doesn't change, I'm not sure that I can sustain my position any longer. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? What it's like to just try and keep your head above water and it feels like weights are pulling you down and it feels like no matter how hard that you try you just can't seem to rise above your situation or your circumstances David is trying to communicate this emotion to us and the Bible does not withhold from us the details concerning King David's struggles. He paints a word picture of the struggle that he is having with sin. The struggle that he is having with failure 
and mistakes in his life by describing it as drowning in the waves of an ocean or a flood that represent to him a battle with his own faults, a battle that he is losing. I was not raised in church. And when I was very young, maybe four or five years old, my parents would take us kids to the public swimming pool in the summer. And uh, at that time, I had not yet learned how to swim. And so my parents made sure that the lifeguards on duty knew that, that I was not allowed to go past the partition that separated the kitty section from the rest of the pool. And I remember watching all of those people jumping off of the diving boards in the deep end and thinking to my little self how much fun it looked like they were having. And so being the little daredevil that I was and, and knowing the strict admonition of my parents to stay out of the deep end and knowing that I was being watched closely by the lifeguards, I waited for just the right moment to sneak along the edge of the pool and make my way over to where the diving boards were. And there were many people at the pool that day and I knew that if I waited for the right moment that I could blend in easily with all of the other kids running around. And so when the right moment came, like a flash, I was out of the pool and making my way up the ladder to get onto the diving board. And with no hesitation and my mind racing with sheer stupidity, I ran as fast as I could for the end of the diving board. And in my mind, I saw myself in perfect form. And when I got to the end of the diving board, I jumped as far as my little five-year-old legs would get me into the air and into the deep end of the pool. And for just a moment, it was exhilarating and fun. But all of the sudden, the horror of what I had just done interrupted all of my senses as I realized at that very moment that if something didn't change, I was about to live the last few moments of my life. I will never forget the feeling of utter despair and panic that gripped my heart as I flailed my arms and my legs, desperately trying to propel my head above water. I could see the surface of the water over my head, but I could not reach it. As desperately as I tried to move my arms and my legs and, and do whatever I could possibly do, I couldn't seem to gain any ground in the water. I was the only one who could hear the deafening screams in my mind. 
My chest was burning with trapped air and my ears were pounding from the increased pulse of my heart beating in my chest. I began to lose all sense of direction and within a few moments, fear paralyzed me as I began to lose consciousness. My attempt to hide from the lifeguard had somehow begun to mock me as I realized I would not be noticed missing until it was too late. Somewhere as I faded into blackness and water filled my nostrils and my chest, a lifeguard had in fact noticed what was happening. And just as fast as I had plunged into the water, I was pulled from the bottom of the pool and hoisted to the edge and rescued from near death. And at the young age of five years old, I learned a valuable lesson. That the barrier that was in place and the lifeguard were not there to keep me from having fun, but they were there to keep me from drowning. Statistics tell us that nearly 1.2 million people a year die from drowning around the world. That is more than two people per minute. It is estimated that eight to ten times that amount of people have a near drowning experience but are rescued by a peer or a lifeguard. Drowning is recorded as the third leading cause of unintentional death in the world. You must understand this morning that drowning has no prejudice. It doesn't care if you're young or if you are elderly. Drowning has no ethnic preference. Drowning has no socioeconomic preference and does not care if you are rich or if you are poor. And I have lived long enough now to understand that water is not the only thing that people can drown in. I understand what the writer is saying when he lifts his voice and he cries out to God, I am drowning in my sin. He begins to write of the same feeling of panic and despair and helplessness of someone who is drowning. But can I submit to you today that the reality of drowning in sin is far more horrific than drowning in water. I'm going to need a little bit of help in this church this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 10 uh, and verse number 28 says, And fear not them uh, which kill the body, uh, but are not able to kill the soul, uh, but rather uh, fear him uh, which is able uh, to destroy uh, both soul uh, and body uh, in hell. Uh, the writer is writing a prayer uh, while trying trying to survive the drowning of his very own soul. 
And while the statistics would indicate that more than just one person in this building has been affected by a drowning experience in the natural, I understand that there are many more here today that can relate with what I am preaching this morning. The fact of the matter is that there are some people here today that are about to burst inside. There are some people here this morning uh, that you're doing your best uh, to tread water, uh, but there's a silent scream uh, that's coming from your soul today. You're sitting on the pew this morning, uh, and if I wanted to, I could come and put my hand on your shoulder. Uh, you got all dressed up this morning, uh, and you put on a nice dress, uh, and you put on a nice suit and tie, uh, and you look like you've got it all together. But deep down inside, there is a voice inside of your spirit that is screaming for help. And while you force a smile and a handshake to those that meet you, deep down inside, there is a voice that is screaming, somebody, please help me. I'm drowning. I don't know how much longer I can live like this. I don't know how much longer I can take it any longer. It's you that I came to preach to this morning. It's you that God woke me up this morning and put a burden in my spirit. It's you that I'm reaching for this morning. You can relate to the writer of Psalm 38. You're in over your head, sinking and drowning in iniquity. What is it that causes people to put a gun to their head or to lay themselves down on a train track or to jump from a bridge or to throw in the towel on their marriage or to leave their spouse and children or stick needles in their arms or pop pills, or try and drown themselves with a bottle. It is the weight of iniquity that is trying to destroy your soul. There is a window of time and opportunity in these situations where life is being held in the balance and it can go either direction. I remember when I was about 13 years old, I was in California visiting my cousin. And we woke up one morning, brother and sister Hoffer, and we went down to the beach. We wanted to do some body surfing and play in the water. And so we got out in the water and we started playing a little game. You know how young men can be competitive. And we were pushing each other to see who had the courage to swim out the furthest from the shore. And so one of us would swim so far and the next one would go further. And then the next one of us would go further than that and we kept on back and forth. And so finally, Brother Collins, I made up in my mind, 
I'm going to swim so far out there, ain't none of them going to even think about trying to catch me. And I turned my head out towards the ocean. And I swam, and I swam, and I swam. Until when I finally turned back to look, I could barely even see him over there. And I started shouting while I was treading water, come on, you sissies. Let me see you get me now. I chuckled and I said, hey, that's what I thought. Ain't none of them moving. Come on. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, nobody's coming. I'm way out here. And all of a sudden the fear began to hit me. I used all my energy to get this far out. Now I got to get back. And so I began to try to keep myself calm, and I started swimming back. And at the time, I had never heard of what they call riptides. And it just so happened that while I was trying to swim back, I got caught in a riptide. And if you don't know what a riptide is, it is an undercurrent of water that you sometimes cannot even identify by looking at the surface that is pushing the water out farther from the shore. It is a, a, a tide cycle that happens under the water. And anything that gets in its path, it carries it out into the ocean. And I didn't know anything about a riptide. And I got right in the middle of a riptide. And as I was trying to swim back to the shore, the riptide was pushing me farther out. And, and I was getting tired because it, I could tell that I wasn't making any progress. And I, I didn't understand what was happening. And all of a sudden, my leg began to cramp. Uh, and I was running out of breath. Uh, and if I stopped swimming for just a moment, the water was pushing me further out. And I didn't know what to do. Uh, and I began to understand at that moment uh, that if something didn't happen, nobody was going to be able to come and get me. Uh, I understood at that moment uh, that I was in a predicament uh, that I could not help uh, myself. Uh, can I preach to somebody this morning uh, that sin will always take you farther uh, than you intended to go? Uh, can, can I preach to somebody this morning uh, that the pleasures of this world uh, will always carry you further uh, than you ever intended on it taking you? Uh, and there's always going to come a moment in time uh, when you come to yourself uh, and realize I'm not having fun anymore. Uh, and I'm not enjoying this any longer. Uh, and the price I'm having to pay uh, is not worth the pleasure uh, that I'm experiencing. Uh, but if you're not careful, you will find yourself uh, in a situation. Uh, and I've watched it over and over again. Um, when people leave God uh, and they walk out of the house of God uh, and they say, I'm going to go out for a little while, uh, but I'm going to come back. Uh, and whenever I'm ready, uh, I can always just swim back uh, to the shore uh, but more than one time I have witnessed uh, as they come back to church uh, and they're trying to get back to an altar uh, and they're trying to get back to a move of God uh, but there's something in their spirit uh, 
that no matter how hard they try, uh, they just can't seem to get a breakthrough. Uh, and no matter how hard they try, uh, they just can't seem to feel God uh, like they used to feel him. Uh, and they're desperate for something. Uh, and they're desperate for God to do something. Uh, but the riptide of sin uh, is pulling them out. Uh, and what they once thought they had in control, uh, all of a sudden the world uh, is trying to destroy them. Uh, and I'm preaching to somebody in this building uh, that knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and you've been doing your best, uh, swimming as hard as you can, uh, saying, I know I've got to change. Uh, I know I can't keep living like this. Uh, I know I can't keep going uh, down this road. Uh, but the harder you try, uh, the further out you go. Uh, and the more desperate you become, uh, the greater the pull becomes. Uh, and this morning, uh, you're like the writer of Psalm 38. Uh, you walked in here on your own two feet, uh, but your spirit man uh, is gasping for the last breath. Uh, your soul uh, is trying to get your attention uh, and tell you if something uh, doesn't change, uh, your life is about to be over. Does anybody even see me out here struggling? I remember... Help! Somebody please see me. I begin to say, surely somebody's paying attention. Surely somebody, surely there's a lifeguard uh, or a helicopter or somebody. Uh, and I realized uh, that I wasn't on anybody's radar. Uh, nobody was watching. Uh, and I was going down. Uh, but I came to preach to somebody this morning uh, that despite your feeling of loneliness, uh, there is a God in heaven uh, that knows exactly where you are today. Uh, and that's why you're here. Because God said, I see you and I'm coming to get you. I see your dilemma. I see your struggle. I see your check. Come on. Who am I preaching to this morning? You've been asking yourself, does anybody understand? Does anybody know? Does anybody see? God sent me here this morning to preach to you that God sees exactly where you are this morning. Backsliders that keep pushing the limits until now they can't even seem to get back. Heard the story one time of a woman who was at the beach with her son. All of a sudden as she was relaxing on the beach and her son was playing in the water, she began to hear the distinct sound of distress from her son's voice. And as she scanned the water, she quickly found him in the water with his hands thrashing in the air as he was struggling to stay above the water. Frantically, the mom began to scream. There was a lifeguard station very close by. She began to scream and run in the direction of the lifeguard station. Her baby boy was out in the water about to drown. Help! Mr. Lifeguard, help! And by the time she got to the lifeguard stand, she realized that the lifeguard was already aware of the situation. And he had his binoculars out, but he wasn't moving. 
She began to get panicked while frustration rose. What are you doing? My boy needs your help. Please do something. But he remained calm, just watching the boy struggling and screaming for help. My God, what's the matter with you? Are you going to let my son die? Please do something. The man with nerves of steel would not even respond to her, but stayed watching the boy. Finally, when it looked like there was no help, like there was no hope, the man burst from his position uh, and ran into the water uh, and swam to where the boy was, uh, grabbing him and bringing him back to shore. After a few minutes of making sure that he was okay and that he was safe, the mom's relief turned to anger as she turned to the lifeguard and said, you almost cost my son's life. What's wrong with you that you didn't respond right away? Now that the incident was over, the lifeguard turned on his heel and he put his finger in the face of the woman and he said, ma'am, I had to wait because as long as he was convinced he could save himself, he would have killed me as well as him when I got out to help him. I had to wait until he knew that he had no other opportunity. I had to wait until he realized that he could not help himself. And I'm preaching to somebody in the building who has been wondering, God, why? Why are you letting it get this bad? God, why are you letting me go through this? I came to preach to you. Why? Because God is waiting for you to get to a place where you understand you're not in control. God's waiting for you to get to a place where you understand you can't help yourself and the only chance that you have of survival is the hand of God. Who am I preaching to this morning? God's waiting until you're out of breath. God's waiting until you've exhausted your last move. God's waiting until you finally throw your hands in the air and say, all right, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. I surrender. All right, God, I'm tired of living according to my own plan. I surrender. There is another level of struggle that takes place where the enemy of your soul does everything in his power to drown you. Isaiah 59 describes his tactic as coming in like a flood. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, there is a level of attack whereby the enemy does his best to overwhelm you in an attempt to drown you. This is exactly what the enemy tried to do to Job. If I can overwhelm him with life, then I can drown his soul. If I can overwhelm him with circumstances, then I can drown his soul. And so the reports come. You've lost your cattle. 
And then the report comes while one man's still giving him bad news. He's interrupted by more bad news. All of your sheep have died. And while he's receiving that bad news, he's interrupted with more bad news. Your children are gone. And while he's still reeling from the information of his children dying, he's interrupted with more bad news. Your servants are gone. And while he's trying to hang on for dear life, his health begins to decline. And then his friends begin to mock him. And as if that wasn't enough, his own wife, the one that was closest to him, begins to curse him. I'm preaching to some people here today day uh, that are trying to keep your head uh, above water uh, but you're drowning uh, you're drowning in sorrow uh, you're drowning in depression uh, you're drowning in the bondage of your sin uh, and the pain of your circumstance uh, oh I'm preaching to somebody uh, that has strayed uh, past the lines of safety in your life uh, and now uh, you don't know how to get back Can I preach to you this morning that there is only one way out? And that one way out uh, is the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, Am I in the right church this morning? Uh, I said there is only uh, one answer uh, to the dilemma of your life. uh, And that is the power uh, of the gospel message. uh, For we are not ashamed uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. uh, For it is, uh, for it is, uh, for it is uh, the power of God unto salvation. There's only one way to be rescued from the waves of sin and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll never swim strong enough to control the waves. You'll never gain mastery over the wild nature of this world in sin. There's only one way out, and that is to not fight the water, but rather to embrace the water. On the day of Pentecost, Peter began to preach the very first sermon of the New Testament church. He began to preach about how these same people that he was preaching to had blood on their hands because just 50 days earlier they had hung him on a tree. They had mocked him and spit on him, stabbed him in his side and put a crown of thorns on his head. Brother Donnelly, they began to preach to him and say, this same Jesus that you have crucified is coming back again. And he's both Lord and Gloria. He began to preach to them the revelation that this man was God manifest in the flesh. They very quickly began to realize that they were underwater. They very quickly began to realize we're in more trouble than we could possibly get out of. They quickly began to realize 
us that if something doesn't change, surely we're going to die for our sins. And so in a desperate attempt, they looked at Peter. The Bible said that they were pricked in their heart. Read it when you get home, Acts chapter 2. And they begin to ask Peter, what shall we do? You see, when you get desperate enough for deliverance in your life, you quit trying to live by your own ideas. And you begin to look at God and say, all right, God, just tell me what I need to do. All right, God, whatever it takes, I just want to be saved. Whatever it takes, God, I just want to be delivered. Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about this morning? Are you here today? And the only thing that matters is that you make it out. The only thing that matters is that somehow you're able to be saved. I'm drowning. Please. If you come up to somebody who's drowning that's asking for help and you reach your hand down and they say, no, give me your other hand. I don't like that one. They're not really drowning yet. You might need to just step back. Oh, yeah, see, the more you try to help them, you might actually be hurting them. You might need to just take your hand off them uh, and say, I don't think you've got desperate enough yet. Uh, Maybe you just need to feel, maybe your head needs to go a little bit lower. uh, Because when somebody's really drowning, uh, baby, they don't care. Please, uh, anybody help me. uh, Whatever it takes, uh, just tell me. uh, I'm willing to do whatever I've got to do. I'll lay my pride on the altar. uh, I'll let go of whatever. When somebody's drowning, uh, let go of that thing. Uh, It's holding you to, no, I don't want to let go. Then you're not ready. You're not ready. When somebody's desperate, they'll let go of whatever they got to let go of to be saved. When some, I'm preaching to somebody right now. When you're really desperate for God to work in your life, there's nothing that you're not willing to put on an altar and say, I'll walk away from it right now. I'll turn my back on it right now. I'll leave it right now. If it means the salvation of my soul, what shall we do? Peter, quickly, distinctly, with power, anointing, authority, and the keys to the kingdom in his hands, said there's only one way out. You've got to repent. You've got to repent. That means you've got to turn your back on sin. You've got to be ready to turn your back on the way you've been living. Am I in the right church this morning? Uh, do you understand what's happening in this house? Uh, you gotta repent. Uh, you gotta be. <laughs> you gotta be willing to tell the devil it's over. Uh, you gotta be willing to tell the world uh, I'm through with you. Uh, you gotta be willing to look at your lifestyle uh, and say I'm done. Uh, I'm finished with this. Uh, if it means my life being saved, uh, then I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, he said the first thing you gotta do to be saved is you've gotta let go of the thing that's been killing you. You gotta turn loose of the very thing that's destroying you. How are you gonna be saved if you keep embracing the very thing that's destroying your soul? How are you gonna be saved if you won't let go of it? 
What do we do? Help. Repent. Hurry. Let go. Let go of it. The next thing he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. That means no exceptions. That means there's no other way to be saved. That means there's no other way. One verse in the Bible says uh, that except you're baptized, uh, you're going to perish. Uh, oh, come on. You, you've got to be saved. The book of Hebrews says uh, that uh, eight souls were saved, talking about Noah, uh, whereby the whereunto the like figure baptism uh, doth also uh, now save us. Uh, Come on, if you want to be saved, uh, you've got to repent of your sins uh, and you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name uh, for the remission of your sin. Put it on the screen. Uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Uh, there is no other way to be saved. Uh, there is no other way to heaven. The Bible says there's one Lord uh, and there's one faith, uh, one baptism. Uh, got to repent and you've got to be baptized in Jesus name not the titles Father, Son and Holy Ghost because there's no power in a title there's no authority in a title and nowhere does the Bible tell us to be baptized in the titles it tells us to be baptized in the name the phrase of the Father of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, are prepositional phrases for you English majors. And a prepositional phrase never contains the subject itself. It is always a description of the subject. So the subject is not Father. The subject is not Son. The subject is not the Holy Ghost. The subject is the name. The prepositional phrase just brings specificity uh, as to which name. Uh, it is the name that belongs to the Father. Uh, singular. Uh, it is the name that belongs to the Son. Singular. Uh, it is the name that belongs to the Holy Ghost. Uh, singular. Uh, you've got to be baptized uh, in uh, the name. Uh, so if somebody baptizes you uh, and all they declare is the titles uh, and they never say the name, uh, there is no authority. Uh, it's like writing a check. If I write you a check and I sign it bishop, the bank will not cash it because there's no authority in that title. If I sign it father, because I got two boys, I'm a, I'm a father, the bank will not cash it based on my title as father. There's only one thing that authenticates that document uh, as being legal, uh, and it is the authority of my name. Uh, that's why Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 says, uh, Neither uh, is there salvation in any other, uh, for there is none other name uh, under heaven uh, given among men, uh, whereby uh, we uh, must uh, be uh, saved. Uh, you're saved uh, by the authority uh, of the one that died on the cross. Uh, you're saved by the name uh, and the authority uh, of the one that defeated death, hell, uh, and the grave. Uh, you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. I'm preaching to some people that are drowning today. And you're saying, whatever it takes, 
I got to be saved. Whatever it takes, please. I can't keep living. Repent. This morning, it's time to repent. This morning before you leave this house, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. Peter goes on to declare, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not you might receive. Not maybe you'll receive. Not the gift is for some people and the gift is not for others. This was not a lesson on the gifts of the Spirit. He was talking about the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, ye shall receive the gift of the... When you get baptized in Jesus' name and you come up out of that water, baby, you there's a promise attached to your obedience to the Word of God. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to struggle for it. You don't have to... Nobody has to teach you. They ain't got to shake you. All you got to do is come out of the water with faith in your heart and receive ye the Holy Ghost. What do we do? Please tell us. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And with many other words did he exhort and testify, saying, listen, save yourself from this untoward generation. I can only reach my hand down somewhere you got to reach your hand up. I can only reach my hand down so far somewhere you got to save yourself from the somewhere you got to grab what he's giving you music come i'm i'm hurrying he told me a story years ago about a boy scout troop that went on a hiking trip up in the mountains they took with them several things that they were going to use for recreation while they were there on their trip. One of them was an inner tube. There was a stream that ran through the mountainside. They had made plans that they would use the inner tube as part of their recreation. To, got up on the mountain. They would enjoy inner tubing down the stream. The weather was not favorable and Prior to them going on their hiking trip, it had rained and rained and rained and rained. Finally, the rain let up, allowing them to go on their trip. But it had caused a condition in that stream to where it was no longer a meandering stream. But it was a torrential, raging river that was pouring down the mountainside. As they began to hike, the scoutmaster made the decision that they would not attempt to ride in that tube because the conditions were just way too dangerous. We're not going to endanger ourselves. He was met, as you can imagine, by the disappointment and protest of many of those young boys. Some of them somewhat ignorant in their lack of life experience to the real danger of what the river held. And he 
did his best to make sure and convince them that indeed it was too dangerous. After several hours of hiking up the mountain, they had been on some winding paths that had very limited visibility, very narrow. They had to hike single file. So there was a long line of them and visibility of all of them at one time was impossible for quite some time on the hike. When they finally came to a particular clearing, the scoutmaster looked back and he realized that one of the young men was missing. He counted again to make sure, but indeed this young man was missing. Almost at the same time that he realized the young man was missing, he looked and realized that the inner tube was also gone. And his worst fears had possibly just come to life. In his mind, he couldn't help but think that maybe this young boy decided to brave the river on the inner tube. As quickly as he could, he grabbed two other of the oldest young men, made them all wait on the trail while him and the other two young men began to run feverishly backtracking their trail along the river hollering for the young man, calling out his name, looking for him. While they were on the trail running and screaming, they came across another couple of hikers that were making their way up the hill. They said, have you seen a young boy? They began to describe him. They said, I think so. Was he riding an inner tube down the river? They said, that's him, that's him. How long ago did you see him? Where was he at? They said, well, they had a look on their face. They said it was a little ways down the trail that we saw him. They said, we saw him coming down the river and we thought that he was in trouble because nobody should be on this water right now. It's so dangerous. He said, I took my climbing rope and I began to run alongside the boy asking if he needed help. He said, the boy looked at me with fear in his eyes, but contempt, and kept trying to convince us that everything was okay and that he did not need any help. When we considered his young age, they said we became persistent that he was in trouble. So we began to run alongside him down the flow of the river, down the mountain. They said it's difficult to keep up with him because of the speed of the mountain and the, the terrain of the trail. And we began to tell him, please, please, let us help you. But the boy was insistent that everything was okay. He said, finally, in an act of desperation, he said, I pulled my climbing rope out of my bag. And as I was running down the mountain, I, I threw my rope to him and said, grab the rope and we'll pull you to the side. Grab the rope. He said, but he, he grabbed the rope and threw it back at he said, I, I'm sorry, we tried over and over again to help him, but he was convinced he didn't need help, and pretty soon we couldn't keep up the pace of the trail. And the last time we saw him was a little while ago down the trail, floating down the river. Three days later, they found the boy's dead body, drowned in a river, because he was convinced he could keep going in the water and somehow survive what it was going to bring to him 
And when somebody along the path stopped and said, you're in trouble, here's the lifeline. He rejected their help. And I'm preaching this morning to people in this house. God woke me up this morning, put a burden in my spirit, and said, preach as hard as you can preach this morning. I want you to preach with every bit of burden that you can because there's somebody whose soul is in trouble. And you're the last person they're going to go by that's got a rope that can help them. And so I'm preaching this morning to somebody in this place. And I'm begging you, please, don't just walk out of this service this morning and say that was a good preacher. That was a good sermon preacher. That was a good church service. And I, I really appreciate the word. But, but I'm good. Everything's all right. I can handle it. I can keep navigating. I came to preach to you that you don't even realize the danger you're in. And you're trying to squelch the voice of your soul. And while you're telling everybody it's okay, something inside of your spirit this morning, even while you're sitting on that pew, is screaming for help. And it's telling you, you gotta pray. You gotta respond. You gotta do something before it's too late. Who am I preaching to this morning? Sir, if you don't respond this morning, you're gonna wait until your family's destroyed. You're going to wait until you lose everything that's valuable to you. I'm preaching to a woman in this place. If you don't respond this morning, you're about to go down for the last time and you're going to find yourself in a place of abject emptiness. I want us to stand all across this house. God is speaking to somebody in this place. God's reaching for somebody in this place today. Come on. Your soul is crying out like the writer of Psalm 38 who said, my weight, my iniquity has gone over my head like great billows. He said, my eyes are beginning to dim. Come on, I'm preaching to some of you right now. You're struggling to even come to an altar because of the effects of sin in your life. You're struggling to even come to this altar and pray because sin has almost sapped the life out of you. But I plead with you this morning, uh, with every last bit of willpower that you have, uh, get out of your pew uh, and make your way down to this altar uh, and begin to lift your hands uh, because God sees you uh, and God hears you uh, and God knows where you're at. uh, And this morning, God is reaching for you. Come on, all over this house. uh, Nobody looking around. uh, I wonder if there's somebody that would come today. uh, Come on, these altars are filling up right now. Somebody, uh, come on, I'm begging you not to stay in your pew. Uh, I'm begging you not to stand there uh, non-responsive to the word of the Lord this morning. Come on, you got to run to this altar uh, and throw your hands in the air uh, and just begin to tell God, I surrender right now. Uh, Come on, I surrender, God. Uh, I can't keep doing it my way. Church, uh, church, come on, these altars are full right now. Uh, I need Holy Ghost filled people praying in the altars right now. Come on. Come on, begin to talk to Him. Begin to talk to Him in this place. Come on, whatever it takes, God. Come on, whatever it takes, God. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I'm tired of trying to live it my way. 
Come on, somebody. I'm throwing you a rope this morning. Please, please don't reject the word of God. Please don't reject the hand of God that's reaching for you right now. Come on. I need some help in these altars. I need some men helping me pray right here. Come on, I need every saint of God moving in this place. I need every saint of God praying with somebody right now. Come on. Come on, I need every saint of God praying with somebody right now. Come on, sir. Come on, God hears your cry. Come on, ma'am. God sees where you're at this morning. Come on. Come on. Don't wait till it's too late. Don't run from the voice of God. Don't run from the efforts. Come on. Pray with authority. Pray with power. Pray with passion this morning. Come on. God, I've got to get out of this mess. God, I've got to escape the struggle. God, I've got to make it. I can't be lost. Come on, church, pray. 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 Come on. Somebody's soul is in the balance. Somebody's eternity is at stake this morning. Somebody's future is on the line this morning. Come on, pray, pray. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on, God sees you. 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 Come on. That's it, church. Come on, cry with them. Pray with them. Weep with them. Reach with them. Come on. Come on, God's here this morning. God is here this morning. And he's reaching for you. God's here this morning. Oh. Come on. Come on, every saint of God praying with somebody. Chain of God praying with somebody right now. Come on. I need help praying right here. I need help praying. Come on.
help praying right here. Come on. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I need some intercessors right now. I need some intercessors right now that know how to pray. Come on, there's a breakthrough happening all over this house. Come on, there's a breakthrough happening all over this sanctuary right now. Come on. God has heard your cry. God has heard your cry. Come on, God has heard your cry. God has heard your cry. Come on, lift your voice. Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Come on. Some men that know how to dig in. For-